Hi, my name is Reggie. I have with me Chelsea. Hello, everybody. I am so excited for this episode because I don't have it prepared. And <laughs> but Chelsea does, and she's kind of going to take over a little bit. We decided to um, bring Chelsea back on because we had an amazing conversation afterwards, and um, it just spurred in us this life of, I don't know, just kind of wanting to talk about some really tough stuff. And I've seen in these past couple of days Chelsea's heart for Pride Month and um, just the uh, unholy things that are happening in this world. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't even know. Like it's just been really hard. So um, I'm genuinely interested in mm-hmm. seeing what you have for today. We talked about it a little bit yesterday, but just for you to get to tell your story, and I'm really excited. I'm, like, on the edge of my seat, <laughs> ready to hear, because I have no, I'm not, I've never been a part of the LGBTQ community. I've said that several times already, um, but I I don't really know um, what's acceptable, what's not acceptable, what's politically correct, what's not politically correct. So I really don't have a stance. I try to avoid the conversation as much as possible because I don't know. And I feel like this is a great opportunity to educate myself and our viewers for people that are either struggling with it or, um, have questions. And so, yeah. And there's more to just this. There's more than just being gay or straight or fluid or whatever um, to Chelsea's story because she's not um, gay or straight or (laughs) she is a person. (laughs) Human being. Yes. So there is definitely more to just us talking about Pride Month. But yeah. yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you again for having me back. Yeah. Very excited. It was so long ago. I know. (laughs) Only a week ago. Only a week ago. (laughs) Um, I love, love, love um, your heart, like I said that over and over again, to just invite people in, and we were talking yesterday, and you're like, I just want to have a platform for people to share their story, Yeah. and I love that, because I think that that is something that we aren't doing enough, is sharing the story of where we're at, where we were, Mm -hmm. where we're at, and where we're going, and so just for any listener out there who might not know me personally, um, man, at the core of who I am, I'm a Jesus follower. Yeah. And not in a religious sense, but just in there is a God who loves you so much that he sent his only son to die for you. And that is my story is that pre-Jesus, my life was an absolute mess. Mm-hmm. And my favorite part is that everyone's life is an absolute mess before Jesus. Pre-Jesus and through Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that apart from Jesus, we can do nothing. Yeah. And so after Reggie and I talked last time about Noah, we mm-hmm. stopped right before we got to the covenant. the covenant with the rainbow. And I thought, what a great way to kind of wrap up the month of June, which has been is increasingly becoming known as Pride Month, mm. than to than to share my story. I don't. I am not trying to sway anyone one way or the mm-hmm. other. I am not here to preach and tell you what you already do or don't know. But man, I can't live a life not sharing what the Lord did for me. Yeah. Because then what glory does that bring him? Mm-hmm. To get to heaven and the Lord be like, why didn't you use your story? 
Mm. I didn't save you from all of that for you to hide it and be ashamed of it. Mm -hmm. And so, um, and I even made a note, you know, I think it's time for more people in the body of Christ to share their story. Yeah. It is not a shameful thing. It's not a look at the crazy mess I was, but look at what the Lord did for me. Mm. And here's where we're at. And so I don't, I think I'm just going to jump in. Yeah. Um, Stop me if you have any Absolutely, <laughs> questions, I thoughts, or anything like that. But I think, you know, I always used to say that I think my story is unique and that it relates a little bit to everybody. Mm-hmm. But I, I was praying into this beforehand. It's like, actually, my testimony is becoming more and more of a normal for most people, mm. which is so tragic to me. Um, you know, I was raised, I think my parents tell me that pre-six years old, we had that very classic white picket fence suburban life. I have no memory of it, so I feel bad for them in that instance. That means you had a good life. <laughs> yeah, right. you know, white picket fence suburban home's a dream. <laughs> um, but my first memory actually growing up was my dad leaving at six years old. Uh, when I think back, I just remember him putting, like, he was unplugging a cable box, putting it into a box, and saying, like, he couldn't live with this anymore. And I don't know why that was my first memory, but it just was... Um, my family, we generationally come from addiction of all kind, alcoholism, drugs, food. <laughs> I yeah. mean, just, it, we are an addictive type family mm-hmm. and we loved to fight. Chaos was something that we thrived in. Peace was weird. <laughs> yeah. Chaos was normal. And so that was a lot of my childhood. You know, my dad was in and out, um, very sporadically growing up. And I honestly didn't even notice then what an absent father meant because mm-hmm. he just was never there. I, I later learned in later years that that's a big deal. Um, but my poor mom, you know, being from an addicted family and now being a single mom of three girls, was doing everything she could. Mm-hmm. But I love that phrase, the hurt people hurt people. Yeah. And unfortunately, sometimes that means our parents. And so we were along for quite a ride mm-hmm. uh, with my mom and her addiction. Um, we were like pawns to my dad and mom. If one of them got custody of, of us for six months, they were like, look at who I got. And if the, it was just a back and forth battle. And it wasn't even like we were kids anymore. Mm-hmm. It was like we were just trying to get to one parent or another. Mm-hmm. And so that did a lot of damage growing up with my relationship with parents, which to be honest is still healing. Yeah. Um, I want everyone to hear me ahead of time that this is a lifelong journey of healing. That mm-hmm. when things happen to you as a child, and as an adult, it's not an immediate quick fix. No. Um, and so, to, to kind of sum that up, we lived in multiple homeless shelters growing up, um. in and out, um, because our parents didn't know how to take care of us. And so we would live with dad, and then we would go and live in homeless shelters with mom for a season. Uh, we weren't really in church. Our family kind of disowned us, like grandparents and stuff, mm-hmm. but it was because of the actions of my mom at the time. Wow. And, you know, that affected us mm-hmm. big time. I don't have a ton of memories from childhood, and any that I do are kind of dark. Um, I was sexually molested at nine years old by a neighbor mm-hmm. of ours who, it was my best friend's brother, mm-hmm. multiple times. Um, sometimes out in public where you would think someone would notice, and then other times he would sneak in at night when my mom was passed out in another room. Um, and then at some point, I think honestly at 10 or 11, I don't remember, but I was also molested by a female cousin. Wow. Um, it was one of those instances of 
I won't do it to your sister if you let me do it to you. And so it was that older sister protective mentality. Wow. Didn't find out till 10 plus years later that it that, didn't matter. It didn't matter. Um, which, whole different story. Um, but that, so that was my introduction into sexuality, was the most Very perverse, young. forced idea of it. Gosh. You know, it, it just awoken something in me that you, I mean, you get curious. Mm-hmm. And being, you know, sexually assaulted by a male and a female brought a lot of questions. Like, mm-hmm. I was raised as that classic tomboy, the blue jean t-shirt, mm-hmm. likes my hair shorter, but to be honest, here we are 20 years later and I'm still just a blue jean t-shirt girl. Yeah. I would have wished that that label never got put on because it was always a thing, Chelsea's just a tomboy or this and that. And mm. like, I wonder how much that actually ingrained Yeah. and caused those questions. Um, but At some point when I was 12 years old, life stabilized. Mom got a job, Mm -hmm. stayed out of jail, we got an apartment, and we kind of swept everything under the rug from 6 years old to 12. No one wanted to talk about it. It was like it never happened. (laughs) That's crazy. One Wednesday we were homeless, the next Wednesday we were all fine. And yet a lot of things happened. Mm-hmm. You know, testifying against your mom in open court about a drug addiction and all of these things. It was like, well, <laughs> like we, we need to talk about it. But at 12, I didn't even know that we needed to. Yeah. I just knew that I was really angry, like kicking holes in the wall, angry all the time. Mm-hmm. I didn't know how to manage emotions. I'd been ignored a lot of my childhood. And, you know, we were always told, like, everyone just wants to see you happy. So be happy. Mm-hmm. And there was no other emotion involved in that. And so... We got back into church because that seemed to be the right thing to do when life mm-hmm. is a mess. And I think, I was trying to think, you know, some people are like, oh yeah, I got saved at a church camp. I, for the life of me, cannot remember. Oh man, when you got saved. Yes. Flash forward, like, to the day the Lord became Lord of my life is such a vivid day, but that 12-year-old moment, I think it was probably at church camp, like, here I am to worship or something, mm-hmm. one of those old school songs. But I came back from that church camp and life looked a little bit different. It was like all of that never happened. Mm-hmm. The memories were gone. Mm-hmm. And I just went through high school just being me. Loved playing sports. Still was the blue jean t-shirt kind of girl. Right. Dated a couple of guys here and there, but something had awoken in me about this uh, being a sexual being. Because, I mean, you uh, they, the can of worms got opened. Mm-hmm. And I really struggled in high school to figure out what are all these thoughts in my head that I don't know what to like, I don't know how to say them. You know, it was thoughts like, oh, man, she's, like, super pretty, but I'm dating this guy. Or it was these little little flashes of moments that, looking back, make perfect sense. But in that moment, I'm like, oh, we're just really good friends, or we're just this and that. Yeah. And I wish I would have started telling someone at a much earlier age that I was even having these thoughts. Um, because I was serving in church every week. Mm-hmm. I was the youth leader. I ended up being kids pastor at some point, but on the weekends and during the week, my life looked nothing like it did while I was in church on Sunday. I started partying at like 16 years old, knew the cool kids' house to go to, yeah. <laughs> like who can, whose parents were a lot more relaxed mm-hmm. than my mom. Um, and at 18, Jesus was no longer an importance to me. I was so burnt out in the church. I was I served my way right out of church, mm. and I was still struggling with all of these things, still angry, mm-hmm. still, I mean, none of the memories existed from childhood, but I could not pinpoint why I hated everybody. 
couldn't stand to be around my family, had no relationship with my mother except if we were going head to head about something, and I, all I wanted was out. And so at 18, I got out and uh, went to college for a little bit, had no idea what I wanted to do with my life, and uh, one of my friends decided, hey, you should go to EMT school. That sounded fun. It was a good adrenaline rush. Yeah. I mean, who? I, everyone wants to save life. Yeah. <laughs> that was the best way to do it. And I loved it. I'm an adrenaline junkie. Not so much now that I'm getting older. <laughs> 30 is coming quickly. <laughs> uh, yeah. Almost there. No. <laughs> um, but if anyone knows anything about the EMT, firefighter, paramedic world, like this idea of, of homosexuality is like a big deal. It's a lot of masculine mm. qualities that tend to attract that type of sin. Hmm. And me being someone who was so teeter-tottering on it, like I never had acted on it, yeah. but I knew the thoughts that were there. I was like, oh man, <laughs> like, I'm not going to say it set me up for it, but it gave me an opportunity to explore it. Because that's the hmm. reality is I made the choice at mm-hmm. some point. So uh, I made a lot of great friends, some whom are, are, I'm still friends with, lifelong friends. And they were always just asking me the question of, like, you haven't really dated anyone since high school? Like, are you still interested in guys? Mm-hmm. You know, have you ever thought, like, that maybe, just maybe you might be gay? And I was like, no, leave me alone. I'm not mm-hmm. for years. No. <laughs> yes. Absolutely not. And then one day, I, I truly don't know what switch flipped, but, uh, you know, I've been praying for my husband since I was 12 years old. Yeah. Like... Lord, wherever he's at today, I hope that you be with him, keep him safe. Uh, I can't, you know, can't wait to meet him, that full thing, for years. So we're now eight years Mm -hmm. past that. And I remember where I was driving, what I was wearing, when this thought just popped into my head that says, what would happen if the Lord never brought you a husband? And I don't know why that wrecked me. I think again flash forward have done a lot of thought about it but it's like man isn't that what the enemy asked Eve in the garden Mm -hmm. did God really tell you Mm -hmm. that you couldn't eat from that did God really tell you he was going to bring you a husband Hmm. and something so deep and rebellious in me said if he's not then I'll figure it out myself Ooh. I didn't want to be lonely that's dangerous right I didn't want to be lonely I didn't Mm -hmm. want to be this single person forever trying to defend something that I didn't even know if it was worth defending about Mm. sexuality. Mm -hmm. It was like, shoot, maybe I've missed it. I wasn't, it had been two years at this point since I've been Mm -hmm. out of church. Mm -hmm. I grew up in a church that never talked about really that intimate relationship with Jesus. So that was never established. And I just knew that, man, every time I sinned, I got further away from God. But what happens if I just chose to be away from God? Hmm. And so within three days from that moment, I got online and started looking into online dating. Because I'm like, well, I'm going to do this myself. It's very dangerous. Yes. (laughs) That mentality (laughs) of like, I got this. It reminds me of Abraham with Ishmael. Yes. Like, and God said, I promised you something, and Abraham's like, you didn't do it quick enough. Like, mm-hmm. I have been, everyone's like, oh, shame on Ishmael, or shame on Abraham. It's like, no, I've been Abraham. Mm-hmm. Of Lord, I, re- I know the promise you gave me. Yep. You and, and within three days, I went from searching guys, cute guys in the area, to, I wonder what ladies are out there. 
Hmm. And within the first 24 hours, I saw someone that in their headline said, I love Jesus, I love, you know, coffee, and I love the beer, or something like that. And I said, whoa, there's someone who loves Jesus. That's, that place for the other team. Yeah. And I was like, well, maybe I've never actually, maybe I can do both. Because, yeah. like, growing up in the Bible Belt in Florida, it is Southern Baptist to the core, and it's like... Very Baptist yes, in Florida, like, yes. <laughs> you, If you were gay, you were going to hell. That is the worst of the worst sin. Mm-hmm. And this was in 2012, so really, I mean, I was trying to think before this, even in high school, like, the way gay pride and stuff now, like, that didn't even fully exist then. Like, it was definitely building and present, but I wasn't being influenced every which way. Mm -hmm. Like, I had to seek out that community. Yes. And, uh, and so, messaged, messaged her, and it was just this immediate connection. Wow. And for the first time in my life, I felt that that need of needing to be seen and loved was met which is such an interesting thing like I can't even explain it it was this euphoric state of my life is now finally fixed look at what happened when I took it into my own hands within three days and that went on for a couple of months I mean it was just we had new friends we were hanging out we were going and partying it up my Facebook looks so good I looked like I was having a blast, and I was having a lot of fun, Mm -hmm. but at the core of it, there was no joy. Mm. But to be honest, I really wasn't living in a joyful state to begin with, so I didn't even know that it wasn't there. Yeah. And so, you know, I always say this about sin, that it always gives the best first taste. It was so satisfying to my flesh. Mm -hmm. And I was in paramedic school at that time. I was working 24 hours a day. It was so nice to have someone who washed clothes and cooked and cleaned. And, I mean, within three weeks, she had moved into my house. Wow. So, like, there was no... <laughs> you just went full on, like... Full on. And it felt so right. Yeah. Um, you know, I had friends who were so supportive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Every time my, my mom, God, God bless her, would say, Hey, Chelsea, like, you really don't post stuff like that. Like, I would have friends posting on my wall. We're so proud of you. Don't listen to the haters. They don't know you or... And I ate it up mm-hmm. because, you know, not only am I still mad at mom from childhood, but now the person I truly am becoming, like, you won't let me do that. Here's another thing you won't let me do. Wow. And it was totally rebellious. To be honest, I can't remember when it started going, like, downhill. Um, we dated the specific person um, for two years. And I think within about six months, like, things started getting kind of rough. You know, my anger was slowly becoming out of control. Mm-hmm. Um, not in a sense of, I don't know, I just enjoyed being angry. It was what I knew. That's all because I knew. Because of that chaos, the arguing. Yes, it was. Okay. I love, loved, <laughs> loved anger and mm-hmm. chaos. I knew how to stir the pot with it. Mm-hmm. What I didn't know how was how to live in peace or harmony. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, what Jesus brings. But at this, like, Jesus was not Lord of my life. I am actively going against God in this moment. I've, my, my mom has always said that I lived a very favor-filled life. Hmm. And I can think back now and see the favor of God removed. Hmm. Nothing went right. No promotions. You know, there was always drama. 
there mm -hmm. was always something. That's what I always said. There was always something. But even throughout that whole time, I could still hear the Holy Spirit whispering to me. And that's what I was going to say. Like, you and I have talked about your previous job mm -hmm. with the EMT. Were you living like that when you were doing... Okay, so yes. <laughs> we've talked about that one story of, like, that you were standing next to the killer or what... Yeah. Yeah. Like, I just feel like that was favor. Like, you were being protected. <laughs> yes. That verse that God says, like, I will never leave or forsake you. Mm -hmm. I believe, like, I believe that that is the reference in my life in particular. No theological debate. Mm -hmm. But it was the Holy Spirit. Yeah. But I said it was my gut. Mm. I didn't know how to listen. I didn't know how to discern mm -hmm. the voice of God. It was always that double, like, gut check of, like, mm. oh, I need to go recheck that. Or I need to do this. Like, the Lord saved me on so many instances being a paramedic that I made the wrong choice. Mm -hmm. And then it was the, let me go back and rethink that. And even throughout this relationship, I felt it. I mm. felt that nudge. Like, that moment where you're like, oh, I shouldn't say that. Like, I felt that all the time. If Chelsea, mm -hmm. don't do that. Chelsea mm. don't do that. And I was like, hmm, I'm going to do it anyway. Wow. And I remember in particular, you know, I I wanted people to believe that this was my lifestyle. And so I pushed it more mm. and more. And I think that that's such a common theme. Like, I want you to know how happy I am. Yes. I want you to see it. I don't want you to see that we're beating on each other behind closed doors or that nothing in our life produces fruit. But I want you to see the good moments. I want mm -hmm. you to see me being happy mm -hmm. because I need you to believe me. Mm -hmm. Because I knew under all of this, and this is the fascinating part, I never openly told anyone I was gay. Wow. They would always be like, Chelsea, are you a lesbian? I'm like, ah, I'm just me. Wow. I'm just Chelsea because I knew to the core of who I am that that is not true. Mm -hmm. But my goodness, I'm taking it into my own hands. And I remember I was sitting at a bar and somebody mm -hmm. asked me that. And I couldn't, I mean, the words wouldn't even come out of my mouth that I was gay. Wow. And I look back on that now, I'm like, Lord, was that you? Like, wow. was that you putting that? Shutting your mouth. <laughs> <quiet>. <laughs> like, you can go ratchet right now, but like, you're not gonna set something so yeah. in stone. Because labels and names are a big Yes. Deal. And so, you know, to kind of, it is so, it was so, it was good and then it just wasn't. Mm -hmm. You know, we moved in together to a new house mm -hmm. at one point because I'm like, we really need to start establishing and settling down. This is all within like eight months. Like, this is how Gosh. quickly this thing is moving. And, you know, I made decent money, but we went into so much debt so fast. I mean, thousand dollars here and then it went to five thousand ten thousand wow. I mean I think I don't remember I'm gonna say at least at one point it was over twenty thousand dollars wow in debt just from having fun we're going gambling we're partying like every weekend mm -hmm. I needed to numb all of this and wow. money and spending and drowning my sorrows was the only way I could because mm -hmm. not only am I dealing with the toxic environment at home I'm going to work and dealing with heavy stuff I mean, I grew to hate people, mm -hmm. like, and I don't even know how that's possible now, knowing how much I just love everyone, but it's like, I despised when people spoke to me. Wow. Everybody was a nuisance. I was losing my mind and not even knowing it. Mm -hmm. Depression and anxiety are something that has always been my, th like, the thorn in my side, and then 
thinking back, I don't have a ton of memories of these few years. Uh-huh. It just got deeper and deeper and deeper. And where it ultimately led to is after about a year and a half, I decided there was one night that it was so bad. And it, you know, the physical abuse was becoming more and more of a thing. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I trashed an entire apartment because I was this jealous rage monster and there was no way out. Mm -hmm. And I decided that I was going to move back home for a season and move back home away from her and, but yet couldn't stay away. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, I just want my space, but like you can still come over and hang out even under my mom's roof, which was like a no-no. Yeah. And, but yet I was still just, my mom says this all the time. She's like, Chelsea, you were like a robot. You woke up, you put your clothes on, you came home, you showered, you went to bed. Like, I look back at pictures and I'm just like, I don't even remember doing it. Like, I was just gone. But yet on Facebook, I was present, I was Mm -hmm. smiling, but like the lights were off. And, you know, manipulation and deception is the name of the game in my story. Mm -hmm. I felt like because of my choice, everyone else around me hated me for it. I would be in a room full of my family and feel so isolated and feel so, thinking that they were shaming me. Mm -hmm. And they never said anything, Mm -hmm. but yet I felt like that. Why do you think that? No matter what sin it is, Mm -hmm. the enemy is trying to bring you to a place of isolation. Absolutely. And the shame and guilt I felt because I knew what I was doing was wrong. Yeah. Couldn't, I just couldn't separate from that. And there was one time I went to church with a group of some of my other gay friends. Mm -hmm. And I remember going into that church, not even being able to lift my head. I couldn't Mm. sing the songs. I could, I don't even remember what the word was about or anything. I just stared down at the floor the whole time and felt so much shame. I didn't even feel conviction. The Mm. enemy brought me into the house of God and said, look at what you've done. Look at the mess you made. Mm -hmm. And I thought, I was like, isn't that so funny? Because you were the one who brought me, you were the one who gave me the the great sales pitch. You can be totally in community. Yeah. I had the friends, I had the lifestyle, I had the money. Mm And yet I didn't even realize he was stealing all of it slowly underneath me. Do you feel like if you would have lifted your head that one time, sang the song, prayed, do you think you would have had breakthrough that day? That was probably about a year and a month or so into that relationship. And I want to say probably not because Mm -hmm. my heart was not... You didn't want to change. I felt no ounce of (laughs) like I was doing anything wrong. Yeah. But it was still a shameful thing that I was feeling. Mm-hmm. And it, and I've never thought about that. I've never thought, Lord, what if I lifted my head and looked at you for a mm-hmm. moment? Like, would you have been like, hey, you wouldn't have been mad. You would have said, it's time to come home. Yeah. But I didn't know God like that back then. My background was this big angry guy in the sky ready to whack you with a stick mm. whenever you messed up. So mm-hmm. how am I supposed to come back to this loving father mm-hmm. if... All you're gonna do is whack me with a stick. My mom is whacking me with a stick, so I don't need somebody else whacking me with one. Yeah. And so, because I never knew the foundation of who God is, mm-hmm. there was no way I was lifting my head in His church. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I don't want to get whacked. I had I known now what I know. Oh my gosh! Like, right? Yeah. I would have been. 
Yeah, I, I've often said, like, Lord, when, after I got out of this, Lord, if I could go back in time, I would, mm-hmm. but I would not know who God is without this story and without this moment yeah. of my life. But anyways, um, I decided once I moved back home that life was almost not worth living anymore, mm-hmm. that I honestly thought the best way out was to kill myself. Mm-hmm. Not because I was... I hate being embarrassed. Okay. And I came to this place of, Lord, I have now put my name out there with my face in a small town. Mm-hmm. I can't come back from this. Mm-hmm. How am I supposed to go on? If I do decide that this lifestyle isn't, isn't for me, mm-hmm. I wasn't there yet, but mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. would rather die than to, one, say I was wrong, mm-hmm. two, come out and say, I'm not, I'm not any of this. Wow. Or three, yeah. how do I even begin to recover from such a bold choice? And this is this is just my sin, but everyone has that one sin. I mm-hmm. mean, it could be alcoholism, it could be drugs, it could be heterosexual couples sleeping together. Like, but this was my sin of mm-hmm. I made this choice, and I can't come back from it. I can't save myself from this, mm-hmm. and so I would rather die than to fix it. And so. I remember I was like, you know what, either taking too many pills or slitting my wrist was going to be the way to go. I I wanted someone to find me and someone else to clean up the mess, but I had this brief Mm. moment of, Lord, I actually haven't taught, and I said it like this, God, if you're even there, I need you to help me. Mm. I didn't expect him to. In fact, I expected him to be the big angry guy in the sky. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as I said that, I remember, and I'm going to chalk it up to the Holy Spirit of, you need to go say goodbye to your sister then. Mm-hmm. I never took vacation. I never did any of that. And I was like, you're right. I need to go to El Paso to say bye to my sister. Thank you for that idea. <laughs> what a wonderful idea. And I flew to El Paso to see uh, my sister and her husband. And... My, I did not tell her what I had come there for. She's, yeah. <laughs> JC, if you're listening, you're way too emotional to have handled something <laughs> like that. Yes. Um, but she also knew that something was wrong. Mm-hmm. It, I was not me. I mean, I was a shell of a human. Mm-hmm. I'd put on like 60 pounds, mm-hmm. no self-esteem, no anything, mm-hmm. angry, sarcastic, mean. Everything I said hurt, was intended to hurt you. Wow. And so one day she was like, can you drop me off at work and you just go drive around? And I was like, it's an inconvenience, but fine, I'll do it. Mm-hmm. And so I dropped her off, and in El Paso, there's these massive mountains called Trans Mountain. Mm-hmm. And so I was driving through, so beautiful, and I just heard the Lord whisper to me, you're going to be moving here in four weeks. I laughed and said, there's no way. I have a career. I have debt out the, <laughs> out the booty, and I don't have any purpose here. And I'm going to need $5,000 to even cover a month, like a month or two worth of expenses. If this is what you, I was trying to give him every reason to make this not true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, I said, you're going to have to make my mother tell me this is a good idea. And wow. there's no way she's going to do that. So even if you can do the rest of it, that was the impossible moment. Mm. And so I get home and I tell my mom at dinner, um, hey, I'm really thinking about leaving. And she looked at me and she said, I think that's one of the best ideas you've had in a long time. I was so wow. <laughs> I was like, 
I think you're a doppelganger. You cannot be my mother. And God, did you possess my mom? <laughs> and for the next four weeks, I doubted so much. And every time I doubted, my mom said, you are doing the right thing. Wow. You are doing. And it was like the Lord used her probably for the first time in my life that I can remember to be a mother that is going to steer her children correctly. Wow. She was going against everything I'm sure that she was feeling because the Lord told her she needs to go. And I kid you not, I was not saved at this point. Mm -hmm. I was not in church. (laughs) I did not. I still had the girl coming over as we were parting ways. Like, you know, like there was nothing about my life that was godly. Yeah. And yet the Lord dropped $5,000 into my lap. He made every impossible thing possible. Mm -hmm. And three days before I was leaving, um, she had told me, oh, I just came from the doctor and I have cancer. Everything in me stopped because I was so emotionally invested. I Mm. mean, I am, we are attached. Mm -hmm. According to the word of God, we are attached. Mm -hmm. And that is a real thing. Mm And I was like, there's no way I can move. She has cancer. We need to do this and that and the other. But yet every time my mom's like, you need to go. Mm. You need everything in me was holding me. Man, even talking, I just see it. The enemy was doing everything he could. Everything he could. Pulling out all the stops to get me to stay. And Mm -hmm. now knowing why, I mean, my salvation was on the line here. Mm -hmm. And I said, you know what? I'm going to go for Mm -hmm. a week. (laughs) just for a week, to say hi to JC and then let her know this isn't going to work out. Didn't tell anyone that. (laughs) And so I left, gave, sold all of my stuff, and gave her all the money that Mm. the Lord had blessed me with. (laughs) Because, gosh, gosh gosh is right. And got to El Paso, and I just felt like the concrete walls of the Lord dropped around that apartment. Like, I was not going anywhere. Wow. Tired was flat. Like, (laughs) like just you are not leaving here Mm -hmm. thinking of Noah being trapped in an ark like I felt like that was my prison and didn't even give thanks to God for it (laughs) it was like oh I need to be there but you couldn't even see it at the time so I wasn't even saved yes and uh and so anyways I was so depressed Mm -hmm. I laid in my bed for a month and a half I only got up to eat and go to the bathroom my, my sister's dog, Jasmine, she laid with me every day. Aww. And it was, I love her. It's therapeutic. Therape- it, it really was. Like, there was someone that, even a dog, just willing to lay with yeah. me in my mess. Mm-hmm. And the whole time texting her, I'm still so emotionally invested. I'm not physically there, but I'm 100% there. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, man, what can I be doing? This, that, and the other. But there were these little inklings of, like, I don't think this is true. Mm. that finally started coming to my mind. It hadn't even once crossed my mind. And I said, okay, well, I'm going to come visit. Mm -hmm. But then that next day I said, I think I'm going to go to church for the first time. That was the last thing that I had tried. I had tried going on walks. I tried eating correct to anything to to lift my head. And I walked into church, Abundant Living, out in El Paso. And I took my sister's husband with me. And I remember walking in there, and it was just the strangest feeling. Everyone, mm-hmm. for the first time, I saw people smiling and mm-hmm. thought they were genu- I thought they were genu- genuinely happy that I was there. Mm. And I hadn't felt that in years. Mm-hmm. They took me to my seat. They did all of that. And the first song that they played was No Longer a Slave. Mm. Now, I had never, I hadn't been in church in 
six plus years. Yeah. Like Indescribable by Chris Tomlin was one of the last like go-to oh songs. Yeah. Both oh seven. Yeah. Like yeah. Like that was some of the last songs that I remember. So this no longer a slave. I just stood there and read the words and it hit me mm-hmm. like a ton of bricks. That that is me. Yeah. That I am a child of God. And I wept and wept. And it is still the most played song on my phone. I don't think that it will ever get replaced because of how much those words meant to me. Yeah. And I I never raised my hand for like, if you prayed to receive Christ today, raise your hand. I never did that. But the moment I met the Lord in that seat that day, and at my worst, I thought I was gay. I rebelled against God. I was now almost bankrupt. I had nothing except my own mess, and the Lord sat with me that day. My friends weren't there. My mom wasn't there. There was no one there. Wow. And I was all alone and felt so comforted. I can never explain enough how much Jesus did for me that day. I walked out of that church a different person when I walked in. Mm -hmm. Everything else in life looked the same, though, but yet I was like, I think I know there's a God who loves me. Mm-hmm. For the first time, my sin became too much for me to save myself from that I needed a Savior. Mm-hmm. Up until that point, I can everyone can hide sin really well until they can't. Yeah. And so that was my breakthrough moment, so much so that I have no longer a slave with 529.16 tattooed on my arm. Because I never, it doesn't matter how good life has gotten since then, mm-hmm. Jesus met me on my worst day and saved my life. Yes. It is a story that is worth sharing. And I think back to that time, that was in 2016, so just over five years ago now. And it has taken almost five years to even mm-hmm. fully be able to share some of that story. It's crazy. Because of how deep the wounds were. Like yes. Sin is fun and games mm-hmm. until you realize the roots that it's taken. And there was so much. I didn't walk out of that church shame-free. Mm-hmm. I didn't walk out of that church guilt-free. Mm-hmm. I didn't walk out of that church with, with anything else other than, I think I'm a child of God. That's what the yes. song says, so I'm going to go with it. I hope it's right. Yeah. And I, all of my friends back home started rejecting me. You know, I, I didn't bring this up, but my last day as a paramedic, one of my friends looked at me and she said, now don't go out there to Texas and start becoming a pastor or anything. You've already found who you really are. Remember that. Mm. And so when all of this happened, I'm like, I did the exact thing she told me not to do. Like, oh, Chelsea, all of your friends, all of your community who welcomed mm. you and loved you, they called me a homophobe. They called me a bigot. They stopped talking to me and there's a verse I think it's in first Peter um that basically says like you are different now like you you can't go with the same people you yes used to. this is very much the Chelsea version but like in the message it specifically says you can't hang out with the same partiers you used to yes. you are a new being yeah and I found so much peace in that verse um in those first few months because I was blessed enough that I got to leave the city that i burned down for myself gosh but so many people don't get that story Mm -hmm. and it took months no one in El Paso ever heard that story and I don't think I ever shared that story for almost three years because no one even Mm -hmm. knew that that was a part of who I was Mm -hmm. because I felt like I committed the worst of the worst sin 
especially in the yeah. church world. Mm-hmm. I don't know where the narrative of being gay is now like up here, mm-hmm. above all else, above drunkenness, pride, heterosexual sin. You know, I heard somebody say one time that the same hell, um, the same hell for heteros for a heterosexual sinner is the same hell for a homosexual sinner. Absolutely. But my favorite part is the same mercy for a heterosexual sinner. Absolutely. It's the same mercy for a yes. homosexual sinner. And I knew it. I knew it in my head. Mm-hmm. But my heart did not want to believe. Yeah. Because the enemy, I mean, yes, the Lord won my soul that day. Mm-hmm. He saved my life. But the enemy still had a plan. Mm-hmm. And he hit me from every angle to say, look at what you did. How mm-hmm. could the Lord even love you? Mm-hmm. Do you know what you did? And not even just being gay you broke your purity you Mm. did things you thought you would never do you lied you cheated you stole you're in debt everything about my life still showed a consequence of my sin you know Mm -hmm. i officially had to file bankruptcy and i did it while in bible college (laughs) and i had to live in the consequence of sin Mm -hmm. the lord didn't take all of that from me so i'm whoever's listening like hear me that even once the lord saved your life it's not the Lord's fault that there's consequences for your actions. Mm-hmm. I couldn't be mad at God, but He walked with me through all of that. He yes. sent me friends to encourage me and to love me. And, you know, had we recorded this podcast a year ago, there would have still been no conclusion to this story. But I have prayed for years. I first off thought I was the victim. <laughs> we lived As in, we, we definitely live in a victim mindset uh in this generation but for sure yeah Yeah, i thought i was the victim i blotted out all of my transgression and casted her as this horrible human being who took a good christ-loving mm-hmm. girl and ruined her mm. <laughs> and the lord got a hold of me on that about two years after mm-hmm. i wasn't even honestly in a place to hear i wasn't the victim for a while because mm-hmm. of how much hurt mm-hmm. you know um Right as soon as I got saved, I texted her the next day and I said, if you tell me the cancer's fake, you never have to repay me another dime. And all she texted back was, ha ha, you're right. And I never heard from her again. So there was no closure. There was no... It's crazy. Nothing. Even six months later, she was still on my phone plan and charged me $700. And there was still no communication. So I was like, I'm still reeling in the consequences. And for years that was four years of like lord i never i got closure with you i think i felt myself coming back to repentance over and over and over Mm -hmm. again because the the shame just kept coming i was not willing to talk about it and bring it to light Mm -hmm. and last year we were in a, a group here at high ridge called freedom and on week seven talks about forgiveness and I just, I have forgiven her mm-hmm. <laughs> to the point that I could. By word. Yes. By, by mouth, yes. But, but not I, in your heart. No. And yeah. I didn't even realize that. And out of nowhere that week, she messaged me on Facebook. And I mean, I felt my heart hit the floor. Mm. I felt not, I mean, because it was like, I'm married now. Mm-hmm. I have a beautiful life. The Lord saved me and redeemed me. And all of a sudden this... <laughs> you know what I thought was the worst person in the world is like back and I'm Mm -hmm. like not today Satan (laughs) you know like yeah but she sent me one of the best apologies and asking for forgiveness type letter that I have ever read Mm. 
I know it was the Holy Spirit because some of the verbiage and language that she used was the same language that I had been praying for mm-hmm. God to bring closure. Mm-hmm. She didn't have to send it. She mm-hmm. didn't have to do any of it. I never even really prayed for her because everyone's like, oh, you need to pray for her. Nope. I couldn't even bring myself to that point. And she found Jesus and she got radically saved wow. and baptized. And I love that for her. Mm-hmm. And But with sin, you never go back to it. Keeping boundaries. Yes. This is not a friendship moment. This, and yes. even as a fellow believer, I love you, mm-hmm. but please <laughs> keep your distance. Because the yeah. enemy would yeah. use it. And it's not even just because it was a homosexual, any sin. Mm-hmm. I, I would really tread lightly. Yes. But it brought so much peace. And in that moment, I felt the weight of all of those years lift. Mm-hmm. And it was a piece of closure that I desperately needed and Mm -hmm. have now said, you know what, Lord, I don't even know if I actually needed that apology, but I thank you for removing the burden Mm -hmm. that I probably was keeping. The Lord wasn't keeping the burden on me. I chose to wear it. Yeah. (laughs) Because with the Lord, you lay it at his feet and it's done. It's Mm -hmm. been paid for. Mm -hmm. Um, But that is, that is my story with the LGBT community. And my story everyone's is so different this is not one of the with any sin it takes many shapes and forms you Mm -hmm. know I know that there's a lot of commonality Mm -hmm. with the sexual abuse the absent father that the enemy preys on Mm -hmm. and not p-r-a-y but p-r-e-y like Mm -hmm. comes to steal kill and destroy from a young age yes and as it's becoming a bigger and bigger issue the church needs to take a stand. And I'm not saying to say people are going to hell, but if you have been redeemed by this sin, please start to tell your story. Yes. You never know who is listening. You never know who can hear your words and Jesus can meet them where they're at. Mm-hmm. It is relationship over rules. Mm-hmm. There's 33,000 Bible verses. I used to cherry pick every single one of them to make my case to my mother. The Lord says don't judge. God's a God of love. Mm. But I was never willing to talk to the writer or the creator of the book before I tore it apart. Yes. For the unbeliever who is struggling with sin, great news is the whole Bible's not for you. If you don't believe in Jesus, then I'm not going to tell you you can't live with your boyfriend or girlfriend. Yes. I'm not, te- I'm not here to tell you that you can't do exactly what you're doing now. Mm-hmm. But there is a God in heaven who loves you enough that he sent his only son to die for you. And the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, are for you. It's for the person who is far from the Lord or doesn't even know that there is a God who loves them. Yes. But for me, I knew about God. Mm-hmm. And I chose to rebel against him. Mm -hmm. I chose to cherry pick apart his word. Mm -hmm. And that is why the New Testament is there for sanctification. Yes. Man, we are followers of Jesus. Jesus met with the disciples. He had relationship with them. Mm -hmm. And in his presence, in the presence of Jesus, you become more and more like him. Mm -hmm. I was not in the presence of God, even sitting in church every Wednesday and Sunday. Yep. I was never in the presence of God. Mm-hmm. But man, could this have all been avoided to mm-hmm. have a solid relationship with Jesus? Who knows? 
But I am so thankful that the Lord let me go to rock bottom because it saved my life. It's funny that you say rock bottom because when you were talking about your, um, I guess like your walk into salvation, like before, like how God was getting you, <laughs> I like imagined you standing at the bottom of, of a mountain mm -hmm. in like, a, I guess they're called valleys. I'm not sure. <laughs> Not a yes, <laughs> yes, but like you know, just at that, at a pit, like, and you're trying to climb out, but it's all muddy, and yeah. you just keep sliding back, and you're trying, trying, and then it's like, like, it's like you're taking three steps forward, what, two steps back, yeah. so you're only one taking one step. Sometimes not even that. <laughs> right? Yeah, and so I just think it's, it's funny because sometimes you know, our walk with God feels like that and it's I think I started thinking about it when you kept saying almost every day you were like in repentance constantly like trying to you know make get, it right yes I was trying to make it right yes because I was still my savior mm -hmm. at that point mm -hmm. and man like are do we not do that like the homosexuality was the big obvious sin in my life yes I still struggle with sin today mm-hmm I don't want to talk about my <laughs> uncovered pride. Mm -hmm. I don't want to talk about the little thoughts I think in my head or if I misspeak to someone. Mm -hmm. My homosexuality was a big sin, so let's just talk about that. Mm -hmm. But man, like, we have to live in a place of repentance every day, mm -hmm. not for the one big major sin that's mm -hmm. been taken care of, mm -hmm. but to live a lifestyle of repentance yes. that I can't be my own savior. Yes. I, if your biggest sin is gossiping, that's enough to send you to hell. Yep. If your biggest sin is being a liar, that's enough to send you to hell. Mm -hmm. If your big enough sin is sleeping with your boyfriend mm -hmm. on Friday nights and Saturdays, but in church together Sundays, it's going to send you to hell. Absolutely. If you are gay or struggling, that can send you to hell, not because of that one sin, but because God and sin, like we talked about last week, cannot coexist. Yes. Jesus paid for all sin. It is paid for and done. Mm -hmm. But how often do we still want to be our own Savior? Lord, I repent today. Yes. It's like, oh, it's been paid for. Why do you keep... If you owe me $3 and I give it to you, you wouldn't keep giving me $3 to try and exactly. make up for that one time. Yeah. I, mean, I would love it. But, <laughs> mm -hmm. but that's not the heart of our Father. Mm -hmm. And the goal for people who are struggling or in homosexual relationships is not heterosexual. Mm -hmm. It's not to be married to a male or female. It is holiness. Mm -hmm. It's the same for the gossiper, the liar, the cheater, the murderer. Holiness is the mm -hmm. goal, not your sexuality. And mm -hmm. I was like, I wish someone would have told me that. Yeah. Because I was like, well, now, Lord, i got to get married. i yeah. got to find a guy. He's like, would you? You've been out of this for like 30 seconds. <laughs> Just calm down world. yeah but i see like that that mountain and you just taking the pretty much the hard way up always and god is off like saying hey chelsea there's like these man or not man but mountain made steps going all the way to the top that are so much easier to take mm. it's just going to be long yeah but it's taking you longer trying to do it your way yes I don't know. And I the just... Holy Spirit would be ready to walk with you. Absolutely. When you when you're ready to walk, like I mm -hmm. always have you. We talked about last week when you like imagine your relationship with the Lord in your mm -hmm. head. Like we all have that picture, and mm -hmm. yours was the inner. Yes, the inner ear. Mm -hmm. And mine is always with Jesus sitting on a green. Like I think of Psalms twenty three. Like He leads me beside green pastures mm -hmm. and still water. Mm -hmm. 
and I just always see Jesus's face and it is the sweetest most empathetic face and anytime life is good we're up and dancing together yes but anytime life is hard he's sitting there and he said whenever you're ready to stand up again mm. And so much in this journey from five years ago to now, I would love to say that it's been a lot of dancing, mm -hmm. but it's been a lot of sitting and coming to the reality of how broken mm. I am, how mm -hmm. broken humans are, no matter the sin, mm -hmm. no matter the upbringing, mm -hmm. that, man, Lord, I am I am nothing without you. Yes. Like that in John 15, apart from, this is Jesus saying, apart from me, you can do nothing. Mm. And that is bring yourself out of your own mess. Mm -hmm. Sin felt so good. Mm -hmm. It promised me everything. Mm -hmm. And a part I'll bring up is, you know, at 12 years old, when I was at that church camp, I had a dream one night about standing on a platform and talking to 10,000 people. Yeah. And... I had forgotten about it until I was well into my 20s, and it was right after I got saved I had the same dream. Mm. The promise and calling the Lord had upon my life was not changed by the sin. Absolutely. But I was trying to bring my sin into my calling. I remember at one point in that whole relationship, I was sitting at a bar one night. It was like 2 a.m., and I was with my roommate at the time, and I looked at her and I said, I don't think I belong here. I think I'm supposed to be at Bible college, or I think mm. I'm supposed to be doing something for the Lord. And I had, I was going to go to Bible school right at 18, and then the world just looked so much better. But the Lord was always trying to pull me back to that. Mm -hmm. And then I thought, once I got into this relationship, well, I could be a pastor and still be gay because other people are doing it. Mm -hmm. I was trying to mesh purpose and calling with sin, mm -hmm. and they do not go together. You know, the Lord reminded me of my purpose as soon as I got saved and reminded me of that dream he gave me at 12. Mm -hmm. But years of counseling, years of unraveling my testimony and getting to it, a lot of tears. I mean, hours and hours and hours of tears and pain had to be felt mm -hmm. to get to a place of understanding. Mm -hmm. To, to work through all of this. Like mm -hmm. I said, I didn't walk out of that church like none of this had ever happened. Mm -hmm. There was work that needed to be done. My mental health was still horrendous. Mm -hmm. PTSD from my job, depression, anxiety. And I'd love to sit here and tell you today that it still doesn't come back, mm -hmm. but it does. If you've been in a life of sin and the Lord saved you, what a glorious time of rejoicing. But don't don't fail to do the hard things. Mm -hmm. You have to heal. Yes. You have to let the Lord fill all of those empty, broken places with His presence. Mm -hmm. It is not an overnight fix. Nope. Because I think that's the that's biggest learned. lie that non-believers or people who are are being introduced to Christ believe or like fall away from God believe is that it's just supposed to be all nice and great and and they know because we talk about it all the time at church that it's not like that but they still have this like well I love the Lord so things should be better you know I should have a better attitude and what is hard to understand is that yes you should have a better <laughs> attitude but it starts with you it doesn't start with God because he's done his part and he will continue to do his part but you have to choose to have a better attitude. And sometimes it's saying it and acting on it, 
even if you don't feel it or believe it. Mm, that's good. It was. It's funny you bring that up because I was saying that every pre-Jesus in this story, everything I would uh-huh. say would be mean and hateful, mm-hmm. and I still hated people, and that was still true the morning after I Absolutely. woke up. I do not like people that much either. It's taken a lot for me to get to a point where I'm like, I just genuinely love and enjoy being with people. Yeah. But that wasn't always my story either. No. Um, and you're right. It's a choice. Like I wore a band. It was this black thick band because they were still cool at the time. Those mm-hmm. rubber ones. And it had a cross equals love. Mm. Just because that was kind of the theme of the church is like cross equals love. And I put it on my wrist, not because it was the most attractive piece of jewelry you'll ever see. But every time I handed someone something, or every time I was interacting, mm-hmm. I looked at that and said, I am representing Jesus. Mm-hmm. It was that visual reminder to me, don't be sassy. Mm-hmm. Don't be sarcastic. Don't be intentionally hateful. I did not get it right every day. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, what if we all lived a life? I mean, I'm not wearing the band anymore, so you. I was born again. I retrained my mind to know yes. that God is love. And I'm not talking like... I love God like I love a Chick-fil-A sandwich. Right. It's I think that, that is a that is a common conception. Like when mm-hmm. you say God is a God of love, nowhere in the Bible does that love translate to a feeling. Mm-hmm. For God so 100% loved the world a choice. that He gave His only Son. Yes. It was a choice. Mm-hmm. Our love is not. I love God today because I got the front row parking spot at Target. They gave me a free cappuccino when I walked in. But I'm choosing to love God today because it is a sacrifice to my flesh. Yes. I'm submitting my flesh to God because I'm born again. Yes. I might not always understand it. Mm-hmm. I might not even agree with it. Mm-hmm. But the best part is, is that God's word is perfect truth. Mm-hmm. So no matter whether you agree or disagree with it, you're going to have to come to a place of God help me understand because I don't understand this choice that you're making me yes. make. Yes. You know, I think that that's such a big conversation in the LGBT world is that it's not a choice. That I was born this way. Mm-hmm. Or this is who I am. Mm-hmm. Take this with a grain of salt, whoever is listening. But the Bible clearly says in John 3 that you must be born again. Mm-hmm. I have never met anyone who has been born again and actively in the presence of God who doesn't want to fix their sin. Yes. Not just talking about the LGBT. I'm, this is for everybody. Everybody, yeah. In the presence of God, mm-hmm. sin is not welcome. And there is a stirring in you. God, I don't want to be mean with my words. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be a liar. Mm-hmm. I don't want to talk about my boss when he's not listening to mm-hmm. me, to the people in the office. Mm-hmm. I want to be true to this. It's crazy that you say that because it's... It's a lie to say that as an unbeliever, you don't go through dark times or your lowest points or have a lowest point. At my lowest point, I remember as a believer, as a born again Christian, and I love that you're saying born again Christian because there's a big difference about saying you're uh, a Christian and saying you're a born again Christian because there's, I mean, you can say you're a born again Christian, but it's just how you live your life, you know? But I, I think where I genuinely knew that I was, I had made that decision truly for myself and my heart was when I was at my lowest point and I said, I don't want to live, but I don't want to kill myself, but I just don't want to live. I don't want to be here. I want to be 
with you in heaven. Like, I don't want to be here anymore. Um, and I genuinely meant that and I was so sad, but I said, I don't see there being anything good in my life right now, but I can't go back to where I was because going back, there's nothing. There's nothing for me there. I want to be with you, but I don't know how to be with you and I don't know how to be happy. I don't. And, and God helps you through that. He might not be like, hey, let me show you, you know, but it's it takes time. And it, it but at my lowest point, I said, there's nothing for me back there. Everything is with you everything my whole life and I I felt that for the first time in my heart and I was just like that really scares me but in a good way because I'm like now I know that my whole life is in your hands and I I have freedom and knowing that there's nothing that I can do but it also scared me to be like if this isn't real <laughs> I have nothing back there I've completely abandoned that life of me and it's not something that you just wake up and do and it's not something I feel, it's not something that you consciously do either. Like it just dawned on me that day, like, oh my gosh, I'm there. And it felt great, yes, kudos Reggie. Yes. Doesn't make me any better of a person or did, didn't take me out of my depression. It didn't take me out of my head of like, I just don't wanna be here anymore. I still felt that. I still did not want to continue living my life. Um, but there is a big difference with really truly having God in your heart and saying, I have God in my heart. Right. It makes you, the weight of your sin actually feels like a weight of, mm -hmm. oh man, I just messed up again, but Lord, yeah, forgive me, I repent, and how do we not let this happen again? Yes. I think that's, you know, no one is perfect, nor does anywhere in the Bible does it say perfection. You know, mm -hmm. David was a man after God's own heart, mm -hmm. and he murdered somebody, slept with the wife, did all of those things, and yet God still called David a man after his own heart. Yes. Noah was blameless in the eyes of God, mm -hmm. but yet he went and got drunk and wild and out. We didn't even get to that part of Noah, but yet yeah. he was still... <laughs> didn't want to get there. <laughs> <laughs> he was still human, mm -hmm. and that to me has been the most freeing thing is god i'm still gonna mess up but i thank you for giving me not condemnation but conviction of chelsea i have something better for you mm -hmm. there's a reason i ask you not to sleep around there's yes. a reason i ask you not to gossip and lie yes there is a reason that i ask you to become holy be holy like i am holy and that's jesus's words it is a commandment for us to be holy mm -hmm. There is reasons for everything. Sometimes they're obvious. Mm -hmm. Having sex out of marriage mm -hmm. is STDs, yes. unplanned pregnancies, all of this. All you're doing is causing more and more hurt. Mm -hmm. But God. Yes, but God. But God. 